Well, welcome. Once again, this is WNZN Radio coming for Lorraine, Ohio. This is 89.1 FM on your radio dial. Thank you very much for tuning in once again for what I think is going to be a real, a really great program and a real blessing to many. Um, I'm here uh, in the recording with my good friend, Assistant David Abood. Hey, John. Great to be here with you today. Good to have you, David. Yeah, and absolutely. another good uh, topic. You know, we've been looking at different topics the past week. We've really looked over these kind of like our identity, who we are in Jesus Christ, and we went through, which we can pick up down the road because there's so many, but it starts first and foremost that we're a child of God. We looked at the fact we're ambassadors and then saints. Actually, we're called, only three times in the New Testament, we're called Christians, and the rest of the time we're either called saints, disciples is Mm -hmm. the big name that's given to believers, of course, and then uh, Child of God, of course, is a big name. But anyhow, we looked at those kind of identifying marks of a person that is a believer. That is to say, he has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So once again, we're going to look at a topic today that I think is going to be very interesting. It's both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It dominates the pages of Scripture, and that is miracles. The purpose of miracles, the type of miracles, what's the reason for miracles in the Bible, and how do they authenticate God's message to us. But before we start, if you're having any problems hearing us, if there's any static or low signal, you can just live stream us on your computer, your laptop, and that would be www.wnzn.org. That's www.wnzn.org, and you can get that right away. And if you want to pick up any of the older programs, they're all archived, they're all recorded by title, and then you just go to... Uh, www.john1421.com john1421.com and that way you can get all the old shows I think it goes back maybe 50 shows David oh yeah easily yeah. it's been one three years or so it was yeah six yeah, yeah six. okay and so there's many many different uh, <clears throat> shows that we've done over the past years that you may be right. interested so we're going to look at the whole thing with miracles and the significance of miracles uh, in the Bible as recorded in the Bible but first Let's look at this idea of miracle. Uh, a kind of a definition of miracle would be this. It's an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God, transcending ordinary laws of nature and defying common expectations of behavior. In other mm-hmm. words, it's, it's where God intervenes and, if you will, <clears throat> transcends or... Um, interrupts the natural course of things. So right. the, de- the Red Sea parts or a, a dead person rises from the dead, or somebody that's blind from birth gets his sight back. This is not normal, everyday occurrences, but they're, they're given for reasons. And one of the reasons is that miracles provide evidence of God's presence mm-hmm. and power in the world to demonstrate his authority <clears throat> on behalf of his servants. So one of the reasons we see throughout the Bible miracles happening is they authenticate uh, God's presence, and that he has his hand on this servant. We're going to look at Moses, and then we'll later we'll go to the New Testament. But you'll see, uh, because it, it gets people's attention, of course it does. But it also validates that this person is a spokesman for God. And we're going to look at that. And there's many, many miracles in the Bible. And they you can actually categorize them in several different ways uh, once you come. I mean, there's some that are a miraculous provision, let's say food or water in, coming out of a rock in the wilderness, or it could be um, nature, you know, a storm is stopped, or uh, the sun stands still in the sky, or 
uh, walking on water, when Jesus walks on water. These are all miracles, and they they they're, they just don't happen for no reason. Just, okay, you know, we're going to have a miracle happen. But as you get to the miracles, and again, you see them early on in the pages of um, the Bible. Now, <clears throat> somebody could say, in a sense, that creation itself is a miracle. I mean, when you yeah. look around... How everything God had placed mm -hmm. everything in an orderly fashion. Right. And you study in Genesis, uh, he's very systematic and orderly. But I mean, you can you can you can predict that water is going to boil at 212 degrees. It's going to turn to ice at 32 degrees. You know the exact time tomorrow the sun is going to come up, right? Right. So all of these things we take for granted, but they're like miracles in themselves that testify of God's presence and His power. I mean, you put a little seed in the backyard, let's say an acorn or a buckeye, and it gets the right amount of water and sunlight, and that little thing the size of a marble in 30 years is three times the size of your house. I mean, that, that yes. <laughs> you know, I mean that's kind right. of like a miracle in itself. But we're <clears throat> going to look at real displays of miracles uh, as we see them in the Bible. Yeah. And they come under, <clears throat> uh, they're called different things. Sometimes they're called signs. This is particular uh -huh. in the Gospel of John. <clears throat> Sometimes they're called wonders because they cause people to wonder or right. people are amazed as a response. And sometimes they're called works. Jesus says, the works that I do. You know, believe on the works that I do. He was just, he was talking about his miracles. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. He, so maybe you have some idea, David, as we move forward in this. And we'll pick it up and just see how God, through his, the whole story of redemption, is uh, based with miracles. You know, it's yeah. a fingerprint of God, <clears throat> you know, and uh, you'll see that. Well, you know, I, I think a couple things. Um, I looked at some um, New Testament miracles, John. I know you looked at Old Testaments, but the relevance for today, I think, for Jesus's miracles were, you know, they were relevant back then. But but what about now? I was trying to think through, you know, what about now? And the Gospels record the miracles in order to indicate what happened, but they also have a religious purpose that they invite us to place our faith in him. Because for me, I think the clearest thing is that they show Jesus is fully God. You know, let us begin in the first, namely Jesus' deity, John 1.1, indicates that Jesus is God from all eternity. He exists as the Word and the second person of the Trinity. And the miracles, uh, works of divine power confirm his deity. Right. That, that, that's like the key thing uh, today um, for us, there's no other explanation. I mean, you know, um, just all he was in control of, of the universe. He brought people back to life. He healed, you know, people that were blind, had leprosy. So that's really what it comes down to. And, and then that's really our proof uh, system. He's either God or he's not. Right. And when he comes, it says this in the Gospel of John, when you get right down to it. He says in this almost at the end of John, Gospel mm -hmm. of John, since you opened there. It says, uh, chapter 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs. See, John calls the miracle signs because, as you say, they point to Jesus yeah. and his deity. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. John just focuses on major seven miracles, okay? Right. But <clears throat> these were written that you might believe mm -hmm. that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Yes. So the miracles are the signs where it point to Jesus, to point to his deity, and then the point to the fact that if you'll believe in him, then you'll receive his forgiveness, that he died on the cross and rose from the grave, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. So the, again, miracles weren't done 
just to do them, you know, like a magician or somebody would just do it, you know, or try to trick people. They were done to point people towards God. You see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's to point people to God and to authenticate his message. Uh, that's yeah. that's the real big idea with behind the miracles. Now I have a question for you, Jan. So sure. when you look at the miracles in the Old Testament that took place through the prophets like Elijah and Elisha, these miracles were works of divine power too, uh -huh. right? But um, God brought them about, right? So right. some people kind of put Jesus is the prophet the same way that those two were, you know, prophets in the Old Testament. Right. But I think you know what what is the main difference? The claims. Uh, that he basically says, you know, these are you, unique to me because I'm I'm the son of God. Is is that the difference? Because he verbally, you know, tells us that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, number one, you make a good point. There's there's three major periods <clears throat> or episodes of miracles in the Bible. It's mm -hmm. not like every page of the Bible has a miracle. Some people mm -hmm. think that, but that's not the case. You'll see a cluster of miracles with Moses and Joshua, mm -hmm. that because that's the exodus, yeah, they're coming out of bondage, <clears throat> right. we'll go into those plagues, maybe the miracles back there, and then Joshua coming into the prophet. That's a really epic moment in the history of Israel. And then you have this epic moment with Elijah and Elisha. Mm -hmm. Then you'll see all these miracles are happening then, yeah. because it authenticates that these are the prophets of God, and they're coming to warn the people to repent, particularly turn from idolatry, or you're going to go into captivity, which they do. Right. Now, when they do go into captivity, both Babylonian and they go the Assyrians capture northern and southern at different times of Israel, there are some miracles in the book of Daniel. Now, you'll see a couple other miracles scattered in the Old Testament. But the real miracles, if you remember, Moses and Joshua, that period, yep. Elijah, Elisha, and then Jesus and the Apostles. Right. So those are three what they call epic moments, uh, you know, yeah. you see. So when you look, why, why does God send him? Well, look, look at the Old Testament. Why does God, when he empowers Moses to go back and confront Pharaoh to let his people go? They've been in slavery now all of these years. And one of those, the thing about the Moses miracles, if you will, that God's doing through Moses is they're mostly judgmental. Yeah. They mostly are mm -hmm. are bringing what we call plagues. Yeah. You know, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. And you, you'll see these plagues when they come down. It's uh, it, it really is a very powerful way because, number one, you see the river turn to blood. I mean, they, they, they deified the, the Nile River. They thought that's brought life into the, fertilized the land. Then he brings frogs, which are an unclean animal. Yeah. Then lice come yeah. down flies, boils, on you know, locust, darkness over all the land. All of these kind of, of the ten plagues, mm -hmm. they're judgmental. They're, they're, see, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when you compare, Moses is the prophet of the old covenant. Jesus is the prophet, <clears throat> or the intro introduces the new covenant. Most of Jesus' miracles are healing or provision feeding people, healing people, casting demons out of people, displaying mm. power over nature. He walks on water. He stills the storm. Very different, but nevertheless, both of them are manifesting the power of God uh, to move above nature, as you will, you know, like in a supernatural, supernatural yeah. right. way. Yeah. But it also authenticates <clears throat> this is a man of God. And yeah. of course, Jesus, uh, nobody does those miracles no. because... 
He's bringing people back to life. Right. Elijah, Elisha will do that too. We'll look in a minute. But Jesus doesn't even pray when he does these things. He instantaneously heals somebody that's been blind from birth. He feeds 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. And these kind of miracles just keep coming with Jesus. And that's why for them not to see that and to reject that, yeah. that was like a bright light had come yeah. into Israel at that time. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's multiple reasons. But when you look at Moses, he's really confronting a bondage. of Those poor people were in slavery for 400 years, and Pharaoh didn't want to leave them go. And so God had to come. But if you really, quite honestly, a lot of those plagues, uh, miracles, were against the demonic powers, the things that they worship in uh, in Egypt. You'll yeah. see that in, um, I believe it's in uh, Exodus chapter 12. Let me just look for a moment. Uh, here, it will even it will even talk about okay. how um, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. You see that? Yeah. All the gods of <clears throat> Egypt. So when, like <clears throat> I said, they <clears throat> used to worship the sun, the Ra. <clears throat> what does God do? Turn it to darkness. <clears throat> they used to worship the river Nile because it overflowed and fertilized the country. He turned it all to blood. <clears throat> you see, they worshiped the golden calf. What happened? The disease came on the cattle. So he's coming against yeah. visibly. Right. And then, of course, the firstborn, when they killed the firstborn, which was Pharaoh's mm -hmm. offspring, which would be the future, they viewed Pharaoh as a god. So God was knocking at, you see what I'm saying? That's an excellent point. Yeah, I never so, looked at it that way. Yes. Yeah, that's so, an excellent point. So each step along the way, he's <clears throat> yeah. doing that to, to, to release his people, but Pharaoh just hardens his heart, hardens his heart. It's even today, when people look at all the miracles of Jesus that you just mentioned, some of them, but people still harden their heart. They won't look at the evidence. They won't look at the scriptures. They won't look at what the eyewitnesses said. And to do that is really, it's what we call the unexamined unbelief. Unexamined unbelief. Why don't you believe this? Or why don't you give this a fair hearing? Well, people go, I'm too busy. I did this. I gave up church when I left my house. I don't go to... Well, why not look again at the words and the works of Jesus? The words and the works of Jesus. There's compelling evidence there that he indeed is God come yes. in the flesh. Amen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with, <laughs> with uh, all of saying. that. Yeah, it. Um, so I guess we should get started and look at some of these. There's mm -hmm. so many miracles, mm. and I'm sure there's, you know, there's more. I mean, it didn't John say, John, what is it, 21, 25? Though this is an incomplete list, according to John, he, he lists like 37 of them. But Jesus did many other things as well, <clears throat> you know, so... Who knows, you know, how many he did in full, right, John? Yeah, right. And, yeah. and again, you could see it right from the beginning. Let's look at the Gospel of Mark. Right. Um, you'll see right right from the get-go, Jesus is um, casting where, where, out a demon. In where Mark are you chapter, in Mark? Mark chapter 1. Okay. He's in a synagogue, and he's confronted by this man in verse 23. Mm -hmm. He says, um, now there was a, a, a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, demonic spirit. He cried out. And the, the demon speaks out through this man. Let us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? We know that you're the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit goes out. And they were all amazed what, what, when they saw this. All the people around. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. he, he not only was teaching his word, 
Look, look, look what it says in verse 22 about him teaching the word. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So they're, they're astonished or amazed at his teaching. Right. Now they're amazed at the miracle that he could catch. Do you see his mm -hmm. words and mm -hmm. his works? His words and his works. And then right after that, he goes out and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. You see that in verse 29. He takes her by the hand in verse 31. She has a fever. Maybe she's near death. We right. don't know. And he, and he lifts her off the bed and her fever's gone and she starts serving. Then it will say, look what it says in verse um, 32, same right. chapter through 34. Yeah. Read uh, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So here we see, we don't know how many he's healing here, yeah. casting out demon possessed. How many miracles happened that night? We don't right? know. Yeah. He already cast demon out of the guy in the yes. synagogue. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's doing all this stuff. Yeah. So he's coming. And then when you come down here, look what it says in verse uh, 40 and 41. Sure. Same chapter. Jesus was indignant. He reached... I mean, verse 40 and... Oh, 41. okay. okay. A, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleaned. Okay, now this is important because leprosy, that was considered like a curse. Or yeah. Somebody, they couldn't even go into the community let alone go into the synagogue. You were unclean. A lot of people associated with sin. They thought you did something. It wasn't associated with sin, though, but we just know that these poor people were usually beggars. That's all they could do. Notice he comes down and kneels down before Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, don't kneel before me. Jesus always receives worship. You sure. see, very important yeah, point. Right. It says, are you willing? And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, noticed it. He touches him. Yeah, and this is highly to, contagious, you're right? Not yeah. to, if you're a rabbi, yeah. religious, you're not supposed to touch a corpse or somebody has a leper, a woman with an issue of blood. There was ceremonial uncleanness, but Jesus touches. <laughs> yeah. Notice, Jesus <laughs> touches the leper, but he doesn't get leprosy. Right. Jesus comes and ministers to us sinners, but he doesn't get sin. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Doesn't mean he sinned, but he took our sin on himself that we might be cured. Beautiful, just in this one chapter, yeah, David. there's so much. all of these healings. So you're left in a dilemma. Somebody made all of this stuff up, like a Harry Potter or a <laughs> you know, Lord of the Rings, or these are eyewitnesses. This happened in the first century, and as a result, the world has never been the same. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just there's no... There's no other options here. Mm -hmm. And you don't get... Now, in honesty, if we had more time, we could go through the healings of Elijah and Elisha, and some of them mimic Jesus, but none in this quantity, and none with this kind of... Uh, he just keeps doing these things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's pretty amazing. Now, here comes the the famous one. And look, we're just in two chapters. In chapter two... But, but John, the other key thing is when, again, when we... Just to because this has been brought up to me by folks that are yeah. you know struggling with is he the son of god Certainly. and then they bring up the prophets that you know created miracles or, or you know were a part of miracles moses but again 
I think those people, Jesus made it clear he did it under his own divine power. Yeah, right. 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 So that's really the difference. And and didn't Moses say, you know, in the name of, you know, he would always, he never really did it under his own authority. Right. God directed Moses, you know, and then the thing about Jesus is the Old Testament said uh, when when the Messiah would come, let me just read here. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Isaiah chapter 35, but it says this. he, he when, when he comes he, he is coming um, it says uh, verse 35 the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad it shall blossom all this poetry right even the yeah. joy of singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given then it says they shall see the glory of the Lord the excellency of our God strengthen the weak hands make firm the feeble knees say to those who fearful heart be strong behold your God will come with vengeance or power with a recompense he will come to save you then the eyes of the blind shall be open, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb will sing. You see what I'm saying? Yes. All of these things. Now, this didn't happen with Moses. Not this, what I can say, this mm-hmm. uh, repetitive, just uh, constant miracles going on. Mm-hmm. He did specific miracles that had uh, were mostly judgmental. Now, when he gets to the wilderness, he will pray and there'll be the manna will come down from heaven. But nevertheless, it's not like what Jesus is doing here. You, you, again, you're left with a dilemma. This is false. It's contrived for whatever reason, or it's true. Right. And these were eyewitnesses. Right. And once they saw it, you know, <laughs> and they would, they was, they would go to prison or they'd be killed rather than to deny this. Now, back into Mark, if you look at chapter two, with the paralytic, this is where these people. Jesus is teaching in his house and this poor paralyzed man can't come there but he's got friends who take him on this cot like a stretcher yeah, right. a pallet, <clears throat> and they bring him mm-hmm. it says verse 4 of chapter 2 they could not come near him because of the crowd they had covered the roof notice they, these guys are creative Yeah. so they had broken through imagine that coming through the roof because most of the roofs over there were tile it was easy to lift up they let down the bed, which the paralyzed, and Jesus saw him. But notice what he says in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now notice he says... Their he, faith, yeah. He, he says, he says mm-hmm. your sins are forgiven. Now, the people knew only God could forgive sins. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you cannot forgive somebody if they offended another person. They come to you for forgiveness. You have to go to the person you offended. So... To say your sins are forgiven, Jesus has put himself in place of God. And that's what they said. Why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? Which is true. Now, anybody can say your sins are forgiven because it's invisible. You don't see that, you know, transaction, right? It's a spiritual mm-hmm. transaction. So I, anybody can say that. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says to them, why do you reason like this in your hearts? Which is it easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? I say to you, now this is important but that you might know the son of man has power on the earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic I say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house and he arose immediately so he's saying look I can forgive sins you might not believe I can do it but to show you I can do it I'm going to give you something visible which a miracle is a manifestation pick up your bed and walk Mm -hmm. do you see what he's doing here (laughs) so 
people are left in a dilemma. Who is this guy? Yeah, especially no one spoke like this, right? Nobody I mean, yeah, like nobody this. spoke with this as they said the authority that he had. Nobody so, ever. Uh, yeah, and he was you know self trained too because he knew the word so well, right? I mean, well, I mean, he was he's the son of God, son of God so he knows the word. Him. It's all being fed into him, and he's you know yeah. he's under total control of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so he's just moving in that kind of power, and but he's. What he's manifesting, what he's teasing out here, so to speak, is his deity. His yeah. Deity. So you know, he started his um, his teachings at age thirty, right, Jim? Right. That's or what we says estimate, yeah. And he mm -hmm. was here for three years on the planet. After that, I'm sure they asked who trained him, right? I mean, when they realized they couldn't connect anything, wouldn't that also be a, a light bulb to say, with his authority and the way he's talking, he's educating us on the word. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, when he comes, yeah. first of all, he says, I've come down from above. I'm right. with the Father of right. Raleigh, Charlie. Yeah. So he's not, I don't want to say he's not normal, but he's super normal. He, we, what we have is really God created this world, but then he comes to visit this world. Yeah. Literally, right. he comes to walk among us, <clears throat> and the world's never been the same. Right. Now, people can say what they want, but we date our calendar by his birthday. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, now here's the thing, David. <laughs> Consider this man. <laughs> he, he grows up in an obscure part of the world. I mean, Galilee yeah. was like, it's not yeah. Athens or Rome or Carthage. It's it's Galilee. It's mm -hmm. like some little remote suburb outside of Akron or something. It's under the heel of the Roman Empire, right? We got a three-year window on his life. Three years, okay? Yeah. That's it. There, That's got it. About three mm -hmm. years. You can plot it in the mm -hmm. Gospels. He's got about three years on this planet. He, he gets 12 guys around him you would never pick if you were going to build a business, let alone an international business, okay? These guys had some issues, you know? He dies the worst death ever, criminal death, okay? Shame, stripped naked, pounded with nails on this cross, wrongfully mm -hmm. accused, doesn't open his mouth in his own defense. If, if capital punishment is practiced today, and when they give the injection... If, if, the, if it goes more than five minutes, they say that's cruel and unusual punishment. Am I right? Because yes, you're right. Jesus was on the cross wow. six hours. Wow. Six hours of agony. Okay? That's it. Okay, that's his life. Right? And But his followers say he rose from the dead. 2,000 years later, look at the impact of this one life. Hospitals that were built, clinics that were built, orphanages, literacy, music, art, um, literature, uh, communities change, drunkards become sober, immoral people become pure, stingy people become generous, people give it up, could go to the far ends of the earth to share this good news with others. Why? Do you see, why was this one life change all of you men? I always say he, he changed the, 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 the orbit of the earth. I mean, everything has changed. Now you have either he is who he says he is, or he is a liar, right. as C.S. Lewis says. You, he, there's no wiggle room on this, David. He's he's a, he's a liar. He's a lunatic. It's like if I came to you and said I'm Napoleon, you go, okay, right, God, you're <laughs> Napoleon. You put me in a crazy. Or he, he's a liar. He's a lunatic. Or he is Lord. And all these pages that we're talking about today about the miracles will tell you straight up. He he is he is a, he's Lord. Now it's interesting, David, because. When he sends out his disciples, they come back to him. He sends them out on these short preaching tours. And they come back and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Because they were going to these villages teaching, and then they were casting out demons. And Jesus says, 
he says, don't, don't marvel at the demons, but rather that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the greatest miracle, is a transformed life. Now people, unbelievers may not see that, but if anybody that's experienced that, that your life has been, you're going this way, I was going this way, and all of a sudden I didn't about face because of Christ and hearing the good news, and your life is going that way totally in a different direction. Am I right? Yes. That, that's a big miracle. Oh. Now people, but people won't admit it, but yeah. amazing grace, uh, when your life changes like that, that's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. An absolute miracle. Yep. So, you know, as we as we just move through the um, the New Testament, yeah. you'll see these miracles are coming. Uh, and, I, and, and the people, the religious, don't know what to do with them yeah. because in chapter 3, he's healing somebody on the Sabbath. Right. If you look at 1, and, uh, one through 3. Uh, Where? Mark, back in Mark. Okay. Mark chapter 1? Chapter 3. Chapter one three. 3, okay. Okay, you want to go 1 through 3? Mm -hmm. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good work or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Notice that? Yeah. His withered hand, you know, whatever happened to this guy's hand, sure. he was totally paralyzed. But the religious people were, were angry at Jesus because they said, you're breaking the Sabbath by doing this, touching this guy and healing him. They don't think, and this guy is getting his hand back. He's getting used to his hand. You see how Jesus comes? He's not about religion, you know what I'm saying? He's about a relationship with God. Yeah, I, I want to read the the uh, you know verse number six too. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Why? Why would they want to kill him? You see what I'm saying? So the only thing I I thought, John, is just the control factor. If if this guy is out there, he's going against what they're teaching, and he's got a lot more power than they could ever dream of. Right? He's a threat. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, so that's the only thing. But I just, you know, it's still so hard for me to, especially if you're witnessing this in person, that you don't see it back then. You're right. And I that's, just, that's the thing I've always struggled with since I've been a Christian. And we're over here reading about it, which is still great. But to see it up close and personal. Well, yeah, but not, you bring up a good point, David. But here it is 20 centuries later. Sure. We got the full Bible. Yep. You see the influence mm -hmm. of Christianity on history. You hear the lives of testimonies of people that radically changed, mm -hmm. like let's say a Chuck Colson or these people. Not that people are going to embrace this right away automatically, but at least look at the evidence. Look at the evidence and say to yourself, gee, I mean, first of all, if you look at his words, nobody ever spoke like this. Yeah. Like look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Sure. Or the product. Sure. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Or the Lord's Prayer. Oh my, no, the Sermon on where, the Mount's unbelievable. Where do you get these yeah. words from? No kidding. And then, so if you have the words and the works, yeah. the words and the works, then you bring it fast forward and it's every day it's out there. You know, I was mm -hmm. doing a little thing the other day. I said, if you're 50 years old, that means you have had, let me see, 18,000 
was it 18,325 days, 18,000, that you went to bed and woke up and there was a brand new day. And the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He's long suffering to us. He's patient to us to give us thousands of days, yeah. literally yeah. thousands of days to think, what am I doing here? Why am I living this life here? Why does the seasons change like this so predictably? Why is it of all the people that ever lived on this planet, we celebrated this man's birthday. I mean, I, I don't care how commercialized and secularized and all that, other, but nevertheless, Christmas. <laughs> Why this guy's life? For a month, we celebrate this. You know, he's not like yeah. Albert Einstein or you know Leonardo da Vinci or something. He's this he's this carpenter guy, itinerant preacher. But to this day, we 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 still somehow celebrate his birthday. And the whole thing about Christmas, even if you're an unbeliever, is mm -hmm. about giving a gift. Am I right? Right. People come back home. They travel great distance to be with family. And there's an exchange of gifts. Why? Because for God so loved the world that he gave. Gave his only son. There yeah. you have it. This we whole might thing. have life more abundantly. There it is. You know. Yeah. And uh, so as we go, scroll through these miracles, it's a very powerful thing to see that. Uh, so mm -hmm. e even in that quote, so we could have life more abundantly. Right. That's th that's the gift here we're all getting, and you know there there is definitely things that you have to alter in mm -hmm. your life when you become a Christian. Oh yeah. But let me tell you, once you, it, we we said this before, when you start walking down this path, the gifts far outweigh the things you're giving up. They far outweigh the things you're giving up by a hundredfold or more. And so you know it's just like anything else. You know how many times. After New Year's Eve, do you hear all these people say they're going to, you know, they're going to yeah, go on right, a diet. Right, right, right. They're going to start working out more. A lot of these people, I gave up on New Year's Eve resolutions. Yeah, right. I just try and, you know, focus on what I want to do this year and reflect on last year, the good and bad, and then see how I want to improve. But <clears throat> I, I think you start taking baby steps. Okay, I'm going to diet, but I'm going to do this, or I'm going to start working out, I'll start walking before I can jog, and you know this, that, and the right, other thing. Right, right. It's the same with this. Uh -huh. But the the beautiful thing about it is you, you know, sometimes the the it's hard to see a ton of gifts uh -huh. when you're doing that kind of New Year's resolution. Now, when you look in the mirror, if you start losing weight, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But with this, they're miraculous gifts. They're their their mind altering life changing miracles that he does every day for us. Exactly. And John, your family's seen it. My family's seen it. Our network has seen it. Uh, there's so many that you can't even speak of because they're little things, but you know that they're gifts from God. Exactly right. That, that's the best way to tell you. So it's well worth the effort. Yeah, on so many levels, David. Yeah. I mean, when when you accept Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. then you start understanding the scriptures. Right. Before that. It's very difficult. That's why it says in First Peter, yeah. as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word. Mm -hmm. So once you come to accept Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. This is why really we may have not had much interest in Scripture before this, David, because you need the you need the Holy Spirit. He's your real teacher. That's right. You know, your eyes That's open. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Bible clearly says in First Corinthians 2, if, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you it's what the Bible calls, you're a natural man. You can't appropriate spiritual things. 
Yes. You know, you it, know. It, it, and I think, do you mind if I, if I talk no. about one of the miracles in the New Testament? Because it leads into what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. So in John 6, 16 to 21, this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, what is the meaning of Jesus walking on the water? Oh, good. Right? Mm-hmm. So the right. miracle of walking on the water. Um, so if we look at, I think John's the best place for that one. Um, so if we go to John 6. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll look at 16 through 21. Jesus walks on the water. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. So, you know, I really, I love this one. You know, when you think about the Sea of Galilee, John, you've been there several times. It lies in the lower portion of the Jordan Valley. So it's a mountain range, Uh right? It's 4,000 feet above sea level, but the lake itself I wrote 700 feet below the Mediterranean right. Sea, so there's like hurricane-force winds and the waves are severe. What's interesting about this is Jesus waited until they were about as far out as possible because it's going to be a lot rougher, right? Right. So, um, so even Matthew says the boat was already considerable distance from the shore. Um, and then, uh, you know, so they were really nervous. Um, and... You know, in essence, when I started thinking about this and Jesus is walking calmly, you know, uh, over the water, you know, it shows the disciples, you know, the thing they feared, the range, the raging sea was merely a set of steps for them to get to God. And the, the, the thing that I like about this is even with that turbulence, God is just handling it and sitting right there for us. We have to walk to him. Now, the thing I love about is when I had a bunch of stuff going on, you know, before we met, right. I had this this vision that, you know, God, Jesus was talking to me to say, I can't help you if you don't move. Mm-hmm. I can't help you if you don't move. It's like this visual right here. Right. The boat, you know, they were fearful. The, the world is all over them. They think they're going to die. Yes. And Jesus is walking on all of that turbulence. Fine. Floating above it. And so that's what we have to remember. Regardless of what's going on, you have to walk to him and don't let the turbulence blind you. Keep your eyes on him. You know, one of the other uh, issues was when he asked Peter to come on the water. And what happened when Peter's eyes left him? He fell into the water. Yeah. It's the same concept. So that's why I love this one, because when you take a look at what's going on the last two years, you see the increase in alcohol, drug abuse, um, Suicide. suicide, the whole shoot and match, domestic violence yes. because of this COVID and, and the, where the world is at, all the political issues, that's when we got to keep our eyes directly focused on him. This, this is one of my, again, I, I really just love this I miracle. Think, I yeah. agree. You know, that's the shortest prayer in the Bible that Peter utters. You know what he says? Go ahead. What's going under the water? What? Remind Save me. me. 
Oh, save me. <laughs> Jesus, save me. So, but, but the, the, yeah. what, this is interesting too when you look yeah. at the Old Testament because with Moses, he does a water miracle, the parting of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And then Joshua, when they go into the Promised Land, he does a, does a water miracle, the parting of the Jordan River. Right. Jesus does two major water miracles, the one you just quoted where yeah. he's walking on the water yeah. and the other one in Mark chapter 4 uh-huh. when he's in the boat, but here he's sleeping. In the, hel- in the right. helm of the boat, yeah. it says a great windstorm arose. This is Mark chapter 4. Yeah, I got that one too. And yeah. the waves beat on the boat. It was all. It was starting to fill. Water starting to fill. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? If anyone ever was on this planet, you don't want to ask if they don't care. It's not Jesus. He does care. Notice, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. If anybody's been on Lake Erie or any any storm when you're on a boat, you know that when it subsides, it takes a long time for the waves to cool down, doesn't it? Yes. And the winds don't just stop like you flip the light switch. But notice it says here, he said it, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It's like he flipped the switch. Now, notice something here. This is very important. In his humanity, mm-hmm. he's asleep yeah. in the boat. See, Jesus slept. He got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired. He wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, right? Yeah. But in his deity, he gets up and says, what to the wind and the storm? Be still. Right. No man can say that. No way. Do you see his humanity? Yes. And you see his deity. The, the thing I like, too, is is the disciples are like, we're perishing. They include him in the group. Yeah. Like, he's going to perish. So what did he do? He showed them that you know he is in control of the universe. This he, is he it, is the it, son of God. And he said we're going to get to the other yes. side. Now yeah. what's interesting to stay with this miracle is when he gets to the other side. What does he encounter? A man that's demon possessed, right? Living in a graveyard or a cemetery. He's cutting himself. The only thing human beings can do with him is chain him up, and he breaks the chains, which shows he has his supernatural strength. Like some people on drugs today, and they have mm-hmm. like supernatural strength almost. You know, they can break handcuffs and that. And Jesus comes and he heals him. He goes, what's, what I find interesting in this one, Dave, in Mark chapter 5, right after he gets off the boat, uh-huh. then it finally will say, it says, he, he, he sees this man, right? And then it, he heals him completely. And it says in verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon possessed, that had many demons in him. Right. He's sitting, he's clothed before he was naked running around, and he's in his right mind, okay? And then the man pleads with Jesus in verse 18, and he says, uh, beg that he might follow him. See, after Jesus healed him and delivered him, now he wants to follow Jesus, you see? And Jesus says, you go home to your friends, you tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he's had compassion. And he goes out. He didn't have purpose in life. He was living alone before. And now he goes to town. And it says all the people that saw him marvel. He has a testimony. Do you see that, David? Yes. But then the next verse says, Then Jesus got in the boat and went. He came all the way across. Now look what happened here. He gets in this boat, goes right. all the way through a storm, all the way to the other side, mm-hmm. which is where the Gentiles mm-hmm. live because there's a lot of mm-hmm. pigs and pork and all that. He, who does he meet over there? Not some famous celebrity, not the mayor, not some great teacher. He meets the worst person, a demon-possessed right. man that's living in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. He heals him. He gives him a commission. He gives him a brand new life. And he gets back in the boat. And he goes back. He went all that distance 
to reach this poor little guy. Isn't Does that, that tell you yeah. how much the God of the yes. Bible loves the individual, yeah. no matter how far? Maybe somebody's listening on the radio this morning, yes. David, and they're thinking, I've, I've sinned too much. Right. I've gotten away from God. He can never forgive me. I can never be put in right. He can, can't use me. You know, I've, I've done too much. But look at this guy. He's, he's, he's demon-possessed. He's, he's hurting himself. It says he's cutting himself. No man can help him, but Jesus right, can. Right. He wasn't beyond the reach of Jesus. And if somebody's yeah. listening today yeah. that think they're, I, I, I've gone too far, I, I, God can never forgive me, God can never use me, read the scriptures. See the God of miracles. We serve a God of miracles, and he can re-reach you and restore you and give you a purpose in life. I mean, one of the greatest uh, apostles of all is uh, Paul. Yeah. And he was a murderer. He yeah. murdered Christians. I mean, he was ruthless. He was one of the greatest apostles, right? He's and, and considered so, to this day the greatest yeah, missionary right. ever. Yeah, right. So, you know, you, you can't, you're kidding yourself if you tell yourself that. You are lying to yourself if you think you are not able to become a Christian and follow Jesus right. Christ, regardless right. of what you've done. Right. Yeah. We, we have an old saying. It says, there ain't a saint that wasn't a sinner, and then there ain't a sinner that can't become a saint. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Because that's the transformative power of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He turns the water into wine. Right. He turns the leper into, he's clean. He's, I, I, when I lived in Southeast Asia, up in the one town we lived in, we had a little church, we still have people in their youth, they had mm -hmm. leprosy. Now, they've pretty well cured this thing, but they were missing two or three fingers, their nose might be disfigured, but Jesus came and restored those kind of people completely. To why? To display His miraculous power mm -hmm. and to authenticate who He was. And and if you stay just in the chapter five of Mark, it's very interesting because here He heals the demonic uh, person. Then this guy comes in same Mark chapter five. Yep. This guy comes to him in verse thirty-one when Jesus gets off the boat on the other side, and He says, "Come." He falls at his feet, and he says, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her. She might be healed. So when Jesus responds, notice this guy, this guy, he goes from a guy that's a Gentile, demon-possessed, living in a cemetery, and then he meets this guy who's a ruler of a synagogue, probably very wealthy, very yeah. religious. Yeah. He meets you on either side of the spectrum. Do you see what I'm saying? There's no, he's no respecter of persons. So the, Jesus starts going with him, but look, he's interrupted by this woman. Look at verse, read verse well, 25. What are you in, Mark? Mark chapter 5, read verse 25 through 26. Sure, okay. Through 28. Right. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Okay, now look at something. Yeah. There's nobody could help this demon-possessed man, right? Right. There's nobody can help this rich guy whose daughter is almost dead, mm -hmm. right? There's nobody. It even says no physician could help this. There's mm -hmm. things in life that nobody can help us. Only Jesus can. Absolutely. <laughs> Just say it. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. But notice her. There's a great crowd around Jesus, and she's thinking to herself, if I can just come close to him and touch the hem of his garment, I can be made well. Well, see, here's the thing. Jesus is not. Jesus is a rabbi. He's not supposed to touch. Remember what I said? Yeah. A leprous person. Right. A corpse. Right. Or a, a woman with an issue of blood that was considered unclean. But she comes close to him. She it, it says she touches him, 
immediately, like look at verse 29, immediately, just like the he storm, the, 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 the storm was, he was pure, 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 yeah, immediate, right, the, the stopped after all these years. She, she felt her body there. She was, now notice this is important. Verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing that he, the power had gone out from him, he turned around to the crowd and say, who touched me? Yeah. Now does he know who touched him? Yes. He knows. Yeah. But he, something's going on here that's really interesting. And of course his disciples said, Lord, there's a big multitude. You say who touched me? But he looks around and he sees this woman and he says, but the woman, fearing and trembling, comes in before him and mounts this big crowd, right? Knowing what had happened to her, he came, she came, fell down, and told him the whole truth. She gives her testimony, right? How she encountered, and she got healed. You know why Jesus wanted her to do that publicly in front of this big crowd? Because prior to that, could she be part of the community? Could she go to synagogue? Could No, she was unclean. See what I'm saying? Yes. What she's doing here, what he's doing here now, is bringing right. her back into community. Right. So after this, he says, "Daughter." Notice he calls her daughter. Mm -hmm. He calls her daughter. Mm -hmm. What? What are the right before that? The rich man wanted Jesus to come and heal who? His daughter. His daughter. Yeah. He's gonna. He's coming to the, this. He's, he calls her daughter. Just doesn't say woman or like daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed. Notice he calls her daughter. He commends her faith. He says he gives you peace. And now, what do you think is when she went back into the community, to the marketplace or the synagogue, they'd want to say, tell us again how yeah, he did it. Right. He brought her into right. One of the things Jesus does when he forgives us, David, he just doesn't forgive our sins and give us salvation. Yeah. He puts us in community. That's awesome. And what's your famous phrase about men? Men, men. need men to become good Christian men. Men need men, men to be. He yeah. puts us in community. Yep. And that's why anyone listening that's not in community, not in a fellowship, not in church, mm -hmm. it's God's, it's not just his desire, it's his command. Yeah. It's not good for man to be alone. Amen. It says that way back he, in Genesis. He was never alone. Yeah, that's well, why we have the Trinity, right? Well, it's yeah, a Godhead, oh, yeah, right? Godhead, it's three sure. and one. But yeah, right. So it, it is so important because you, you got to be on that path with other people because how many times have I talked to you over the last 10 years about areas that I'm thinking I'm stumbling or challenges where I'm going back to my old self, mm. you, you, you've got to have that rapport. You've got to have that those relationships. We only make each other better. But there's a lot of other things, too. We're all supposed to be part of the same body. Yeah, and, and by doing that, you have different experiences than I have, which are only going to build my faith. Yeah. And it's the same with the other people. Everybody. Too, yeah. See, everybody brings a gift to the table. In right. other words... If you study in the epistles, it'll talk. We're, we're all members of the same body. One, mm -hmm. the, the ear, the eye, the foot. Right. Everyone is very valuable. Uh, so when you go to a fellowship or you're part of a church community, some bring the, 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 the gift of encouragement. Others might be able to teach. Mm -hmm. Others might have the gift of hospitality, the administration, generosity. But when all these gifts come together and are working for the glory of God, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Because that's, it's not optional. You know, a lot of people think, well, maybe I'll join a church, maybe I won't join it, maybe I'll get baptized, maybe I won't. It's not optional, folks. It's it's he's called us to community. Right. Now staying in the same chapter, show me the power of one chapter, David. No kidding. Now, Jairus, it picks up the story of him. If you look at verse thirty-five uh, through thirty-six, the same okay. chapter. While Jesus was uh, still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? 
overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Okay, now this is really, this is high drama, high drama, because Jesus was following him to go heal the girl, you know, uh-huh. she died. Jesus was interrupted by this woman with an issue of blood. He dealt with that. And now we find out this bad news. She's dead. And Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe. This is a very important point. Either two things are going to be operational in your life, either faith or fear. Remember in the old days in the playground, they used to have, we used to call it a teeter-totter, right? right. One was up, the other was down. One was up. Same thing in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Either fear is going to dominate or faith. Mm -hmm. And that's why it helps to be around other believers Mm -hmm. because when your faith is weak, they can strengthen your faith and diminish fear. That's why somebody once said, fear knocked on the door, faith answered, and nobody was there. So the idea of faith can diminish. So you can't imagine Jairus, he just hears this news, his daughter's dead. The worst Mm -hmm. news a parent can get. But Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. So he, he, verse 37, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. That's significant. Those are the three inner circle. They'll be with Jesus at his transfiguration. They'll be with Jesus at Gethsemane. Okay. And he uh, picked three. He, those three. Yeah. Now, the way it breaks down, he's got John. It's interesting that he picked three. John is the one that says he loves. John's right next to him, right? Then he's got three. Then he's got the 12. Then he's got 70 disciples. Then there'll be 120 in the upper room. Do you see this concentric circle? He, he, is, the, he is the master at building an organization that can last for thousands of years. I mean, today there's 2.5 billion people on this planet somehow, some way, name the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying they're all believers. I'm just saying 2.5 billion. He's, it's not it's not going to break. He says, "I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail." It just he built an organization, but he starts with these guys, right? Okay, so he just brings them. It says, verse 38. He comes to the house of the ruler. This is Jairus. Uh, this guy might be wealthy. He's the owner of the synagogue. He's got big reputation. All these people are outside crying and wailing. You can imagine oh, the death yeah. of this little girl. When he came in, he said to them, why do you make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but she's sleeping. Do you see what he's saying? Now, what are the, what's their response? Verse 40, they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child who was with him, and he entered in with his three. Okay, really interesting things are going on here. He's saying, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. But they're saying, she's dead. Mm-hmm. They know mm-hmm. she's dead. Mm-hmm. Who? Well, how can Jesus say that? What's the definition of sleeping? You can go in yeah. and wake the person. Right. I would suggest only one person ever walked on this planet that could say that girl in that room is sleeping, even though she's dead, because mm-hmm. I can walk in and wake her. Mm-hmm. Do you see well, what I'm and, saying? And why do you think he said that instead of letting it convey, you know, that he he rose her from the dead? What? Why do you think? Well, he, they know she's dead. Okay. But he, he, to them, to the every yeah. all of us, all right. humanity, she's dead. Right. But if you are someone who's called the resurrection and the life, guess what? Yeah. She ain't dead. Right. That's why when Jesus, Jesus, Jesus never met a dead person he didn't raise from the dead. <laughs> Remember when the widow's coming out and they're yeah. going to bury her son? Yeah. And Jesus goes up to the uh-huh. coffin, yeah. he touches it, and the guy lifts himself right. up. Right. Remember what Lazarus, he's been dead four days? Mm-hmm. Jesus goes, Lazarus, come forth. You understand? Yes. He's the resurrection yes. of the life, David. Right. Right. So nobody, here's what I say. Nobody ever walked on this planet that could say that this girl is only sleeping, but she's dead. Mm-hmm. But if you're the resurrection of the life, 
by definition, a sleeping person is somebody you can go in and shake and wake them. That's all he's going to do here. And, and Lazarus, right. I, I don't want to get off this, but, you know, the Lazarus miracle, we don't have a ton of time, but uh, it just, you would have thought it would show them that even if he was going to perish, that he could have risen himself. Oh, yeah. And they, they didn't, you know, that's what I liked. I hate to go digress, but even him walking on the water, you know, he, he sat there for a while, you know, because he wanted uh, he wanted the disciples to have, to feel the fear and the force uh, of the winds because he was so upset. He was talking to him, don't you have faith? And then he calmed it down. But it's the same thing here um, w- with everything. Well, he could have ran to the he house before have. the girl died. Right. But he, he was on a casual stroll. In other words, but I love what he says here. Yeah. We'll wrap this up. Right. Verse 31, and then he took the child by the hand. It's a touching scene. Notice, he only goes in with the parents. All the people that were ridiculing that, he right. left them outside. Right. This is a lesson to us, David. Sometimes you've got to leave people outside that mock out your faith. Yes. And just get with people that believe. We have talked about say, that. Okay, we have talked about that's that. That's a whole separate. Right. He says he touches her. Remember what I said? Mm-hmm. Can't touch the corpse. Can't, okay. Jesus does. And he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is trans, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately. Remember, immediately the girl rose and walked. And she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great joy and amazement. Why is miracles? That people might be amazed. And they will look to Jesus. Now I'll summarize it with this because our program's almost over. Right. Start with the the the, 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 the uh, on the ocean on the Sea of mm-hmm. Galilee. What does he do? Calms the storm. Mm-hmm. He's power over nature. Right. He encounters the demoniac mm-hmm. in the cemetery. That's right. that's crazy. Power over supernatural. Power over demons. Right. Demons. Then he encounters the woman with an issue of blood. Mm-hmm. Power over disease. Death, right. Now he has power over death. death. Yeah. Do you see how he displays? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, when Jesus comes, I'll summarize it with this. Jesus comes, and from his birth, he's declared to be a king, right? He's yeah. a king. Well, anybody can say you're a king, right? Right. But if you're a king, that means you've got power. You've got authority. Right. What Jesus is doing here is showing his authority and his power. Over nature, Absolutely. over sin, mm-hmm. over disease, over demons, over death, over time, over prophecy. Yeah. So we summarize like this, and all our listenership out there, in look at the evidence, what it says about Jesus Christ. Just go through the... I encourage mm. people to study the Gospel of John. Just read one oh, chapter yeah. a day with an open mind. If you're a believer, it's going to strengthen your faith. If you're an unbeliever, I think by the time you get to the end, with an open heart and you're seeking the Lord, you will become a believer. You'll know this stuff is true. So, David, once again, coming from WNZN Radio, Lorraine, Ohio, very happy you guys tuned in today. Thank you. Hopefully next week we have a special guest. Yes. And maybe the week after that. Very, very interesting. So God bless all of you. Have a great weekend. Um, any closing thoughts, No, David? God bless. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.